And we are live. Welcome to the Afroverse with me, Hope Ajir. Very glad to be here. And today our guest is none other than Trisha Pissi, who is a Congolese living in South Africa. Before we do anything, how are you, Trisha? I'm amazing, Hope. Thank you so much for having me. How are you? Me, I'm chilling. Honestly, it's the 4th of July weekend here in the US and I keep thinking there's gunshots outside my window. Turns out it's just some really thunderous fireworks. What about you? How's your how's your week been? How's your day been? Um, my week's been okay. South Africa unfortunately is under a severe lockdown again. Uh, the numbers in COVID are rising like crazy. So we've just been staying home, um, trying to, you know, not lose our morale. It's been not too bad though. Pretty good. Considering, you know. Yeah, consider I think it's the same in Kenya. It's funny because now people are going through that thing where when the world was, you know, closing up, sort of these world leaders were not doing as well. And now that vaccinations are key and now uh, you can kind of see the funding available in each country. Now Kenya is, we can't open up essentially. It's just mm. funny how things turn around very quickly. But um, yeah. other than that, as we start, I just, I want to know, I want to know once and for all. So you're from DRC, which is uh, Congo, is it Kinshasa? Mm-hmm. And so you're from DRC, but you live in South Africa. You're a citizen of South Africa. Yeah. So basically, I was born in South Africa to Congolese parents. And then I think right around that time, I think you become South African, like after a year or something like that. So then I became South African when I was about one or two. Um, But then I spent my childhood in both countries. So I, I know what it's like to live in Congo and live in South Africa. I can only imagine just how deeply good your music taste is. I feel like you have like, you know, powerful knees to be able to do Vosho and to be able to do Nombolo. Is, is that the dance? When it comes to dancing, no, like I'm not terrible, but I'm not good either. Tisha. <laughs> I'm one of those Africans who like... I mean, I'm I'm more I'm closer to my Congolese roots. Like, if you want to waste wine, we can do it. But for sure, yo, like, I don't have the knees. Hey, <laughs> do you speak any South African languages? I speak a bit of Zulu. Yeah, I took Zulu at university recently. As we get into that, I think we'll learn more about where you're from and your background and kind of how you got into being such a creative being that you are. You've kind of existed in both worlds at the same time. And I think you're one of those unique people who are part of the Africa diaspora in Africa. So you're from one African country and you live in another African country. And a lot of how I've come to know about you is through online media where I've gotten to learn not only a lot about you and where you come from, but I've also gotten to understand my continent more because you do a lot of bringing Africa to the world and you educate and you entertain and you do all these things. So in terms of being Congolese and growing up in South Africa, tell me a bit about how that's impacted how you identify today. It's crazy that you brought it up because I actually wanted to bring it up. I'm technically part of the African diaspora as well, but I still live in Africa. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's one of those weird things where... It was a bit more confused. It wasn't confusing when I was younger. Like when I was younger, it was really clear. Like my parents were Congolese and then I'm Congolese South African. And so whenever I introduced myself, I would say that I'm Congolese South African. And in Congo, that would be the case. I'm Congolese South African because I speak 
French, I speak Lingala, which is the main language spoken in Kinshasa. But the confusion came firstly when I was here in South Africa. A lot of South Africans, kids and teachers at school would be like, no, you're not South African. I was like, okay, but like, I have a passport. So I don't, do you know, like, I was very confused. They're like, no, but you're just not South African. So I was like, okay. And then weirdly enough, I was in Congo and there was a South African student in my school. And the people were like, oh, you're South African. Oh, you should go to Trisha. She's Congolese South African. And he's like, hey, it's like, and then when he's like, who are you? And I explained, and he was like, oh, so you're not South African. You're just Congolese. So then, and then, you know, so I was like, okay, fine. You know, I'm not South African, I'm Congolese. So I just, as much as I love the fact that I grew up here in South Africa, because it gave me such perspective, it's very hard for me to identify with it when I get so many South Africans fight it. So then I just kind of like, okay, cool. So it's unfortunate, but yeah, I just go by Congolese because I love my country. I love my ancestry. I love... I love us, so I was like, okay, it's not a train smash for me either. What are the things that have been used to disqualify you as a, a South African? I'm imagining the opposite have been used to qualify you as a Congolese. Um, the main thing is the fact that my parents are from Congo, so that makes me Congolese. And the weirdest thing, like, I don't understand. Like, I sometimes find myself, even on TikTok, like, before in real life, the only very painful experience I had was a teacher of mine we were talking about South African history and stuff and then I I also I'm a huge history fan so like I interjected and she was like oh whatever you're not even South African and I was like okay but like I have a passport so like what do am I supposed to burn it like what am I supposed to throw it away what am I supposed to do do, like I didn't give it to myself and that was just you know, one of the things, but then I think recently it's been much worse when on TikTok, I have people insult me and threaten me. And just because I mentioned the fact that I'm born here, it's very, it's very weird. Obviously it's not everybody, you know, but it's enough to scare you, honestly. Yeah. And you know, um, I think the thing is people are very protective over where they, so I've grown up in Kenya with a mixed background, but I look Somali to most Kenyans. If they were to see me, they'd think I'm Somali. And so I've had people mm-hmm. kind of, um, gen- I've had people say, you're not Kenyan, you're not, you're, it's a whole other thing. And then, you know, when you attach kind of the rep that, you know, with xenophobia in Kenya and xenophobia in maybe other regions, I know for Kenya, it's xenophobia is mostly sometimes directed towards people f- who are uh, Muslims because of, like mm-hmm. an extension of Islamophobia. And so there's a time mm-hmm. I was having my hair searched before entering public transport. And the conductor said, without any fear or trembling, he said, this one, such her hair, you know how they are. So, Oh my gosh. Oh, and I remember in that moment just being like, me, first of all, I always think I'm a gangster, but I'm so petite and tiny. With You know, when you grow up mm-hmm. skinny or short, you kind of develop like a very, very vicious tongue. Because that's the only thing you have. Yes. Someone does, you're done, you know. So you really have to know how to have banter. So me, I thought I was a gangster. And where did that banter come from that day? There was none. I turned to my sister, who is much more able-bodied than me. And I told her, like a small child, as a full-grown 19-year-old, I was like, honey, he told me this. You wouldn't believe it. And I remember she went back to the conductor and she started in Kiswahili with him. And she just told them, look, number one, we're Kenyan. 
Number two, that's that's mean. You talk a lot about your parents and sort of growing up in an African household with how, you know, a lot of people will think it's a conservative household, but it's just African parents being them. If anything, they're actually probably so much more liberal than their grandparents and all yeah. that. But um, yeah. what are some of the experiences in your childhood that have shaped who you are today? Because you talk a lot about being an African and you seem to know so much about your culture and it educates us a lot, by the way, Trisha. Keep doing what you're doing. You oh guys, my gosh, thank you. You offer edutainment and infotainment where I'm listening and I'm like, first of all, did you not know about this language group? Did you not know about this? I don't know what you had said, but I think you spoke about some spiritual things and you know with sci-fi and all that i would be very interested to read a book that you've written not gonna lie yeah what are some of those experiences from your childhood that stand out in terms of shaping who you are as an afro being um i think mainly it's like obviously my parents my parents i actually lost my parents when i was really young which kind of like i always say my like my life is like a disney movie it's like that moment where simba loses his father and then like his life just turns around so my parents were really amazing people my dad was an architect and my mom was a lawyer and they were they both so within Congo, obviously you're Kenyan, you know, we have different tribes. So my parents are both from the same main tribe. They're Bakongo, but then they're from sub-tribes. So they both speak a common language in Congo, and then they both speak their own languages from, you know, their dialects. And so it was beautiful because like we talk about people being, you know, biracial or, you know, mixed. I'm technically intertribal in a sense, because I always grew up with that notion that I think the main thing that I've taken away from my childhood is the the main notion that you can be one thing and many things simultaneously. And so basically as Africans, for example, we're African. We're both African, but you're Kenyan. And then even in Kenya, you have your own tribe. And then you might even have two tribes. So you're all these things, but you're also one thing. And that's one of the main things I've learned from my childhood. And if it taught me anything is that there's no reason to not get along with anybody. And it, I'm not talking about not liking someone because there's people we don't like, but I don't have to hate somebody because they're different from me because somewhere down the line, we will have a similarity. For example, even though I'm technically not South African to the eyes of some people, mm-hmm. I am part of the Bantu language group and South Africans are part of the Bantu language groups, at least those that aren't Khoisan. So somewhere down the line, we are the same. And it goes the same with, you know, West Africans and East Africans. So somewhere down the line, we are interlinked. And that's one of the beautiful things I've learned from my childhood. Oh, I love that. Who are some of the people that you look up to in terms of your creativity, in terms of your being? I think I always say like the primary person is Genevieve Naji, the Nigerian actor, the queen of African cinema. Have you ever watched the movie Blood Sisters with her and Omotola? I feel like every African oh has my watched God. that movie. The one where she was the stepmom and she was this evil being. That was the original Cinderella. That was the original Cinderella right there. Wow. So you, what, what is it about her that you like? I don't understand. I, she, I think when I was really, because I was really young, I was probably like seven or eight. She reminds me of my mom, but she looks more like me. So my mom, my, I don't really look like my mom. 
yeah like my mom is she's much lighter than me and she we just don't look alike actually at all but then personality wise she was very calm very demure she just soft spoken and genevieve naji always reflected the characteristics of my mom but looked a little bit more like me i don't look like genevieve like genevieve is actually looking like a star okay she's perfect oh, right you look like a star <laughs> both of you are stars you're shining stars thank you but yeah so then it's the fact that she she reminded me of my mom and then as an actress i didn't even know it at the time but when i was small i was like when i grow up i'm going to be genevieve that's just i was like yeah this is and then later on in life when i decided to become an actress and a filmmaker i was like oh my gosh it's been genevieve all along oh. so yeah i just love her absolutely lupita nyongo i mean kenyan hello mm-hmm. just out here doing the most she changed the world she changed everything uh-huh. historical figures like i've mentioned on tiktok um kim pavita queen zinga from central africa east africa there are a few queens that people told me to check out from kenya yeah um so yeah just across the continent there are a few like kenyans are really mad hey in my comments that i didn't include her let me <laughs> let me check i Mekati. forgot her name i wrote it all down it's probably Mekati Lili I, I wrote... who else is there yes i think that's the one yeah Mekati Lili. yeah i wrote it down to go watch documentaries about her oh that would be nice and then come back and relay that information on to us But um as I go on if you don't mind me asking so you said your parents uh, passed away when you were younger how old were you when they passed I was 6 I can only talk about it now because I recently joined it's like a grief support group mm-hmm. and talk about it like it's it's like think alcoholics anonymous but like for people who've lost people yeah. so we meet up on a regular basis we talk and so if before that i could never talk about my parents like i would pretend that they were still alive mainly to not make conversations awkward because it's always weird when you tell people your parents are dead like they'll be like oh my god so i would just pretend but i realized you know they were the most amazing human beings to the point where today still whoever knew them they still talk about them like people are nice to me because of my parents like because my parents were nice to them because my parents treated them well they treat me well so it just shows me that you know i had incredible people and even though i didn't know them for too long um they're still a part of me and so the best i can do is just kind of make them proud but yeah it was very hard being an african orphan is tough because i have been the stereotypical african orphan that you see in these terrible charity ads you know like donate 20 cents to yeah i have been to the point where like you don't know where you're going to go you don't know what you're going to eat you, you're mistreated at home there's a weird culture of abuse when it comes to children non biological children mm. in a lot of african society Mm. especially in Congo not everybody obviously but it's something that i noticed whether it was me or any of my cousins that i knew who lost their parents or who just didn't live with their parents there is a culture of abusing children mm. um and it was terrible to the point where like if there's anything i do care about in life it's just making like i don't want to see children suffer especially yeah. african children like it's the main thing it's a lot of my tiktok followers are very young yeah. so i always try to like just make them feel good cuz just in case they're not okay at home 
I, I, I don't want them to feel that way all the time because I know what it feels like. It's yeah. terrible. But I'm just glad that I'm here today, you know. I've I'm been very so, fortunate. I'm so happy with what you've made of yourself because, you know, you, you, t- you talk about making your parents proud, but what you're doing is even bigger than you. So it's very ironic how what you're doing is obviously part of your own goal and you know you probably have your own conviction of what your purpose is but from the outside looking in you're not only doing things for you and I and you know for the entertainment of even these kids on TikTok but what you're doing is you're documenting so much history you're humanizing knowledge that has always existed but now you're offering that soul to it and you offer it with so much intelligence wit and everything which I can go very well into but for what it's worth even if i put this out of the edit trust me i think you're doing so well so yeah but um thank you so much how how in in terms of dealing with that grief and um you know i've had a, a guest here on the afroverse as well we spoke at length i think we had three episodes together because we had a four hour conversation i think about you know dealing with grief and how it impacts you as a creative and how mm-hmm. art is used as a form of healing and it can used to it can be used to express yourself and everything for you how did you end up in your career right now as a creative i mean considering your childhood i had the same where i had to if i didn't draw something or if i didn't just sing up something in my mind i would honestly i'd go bonkers i'd lose it because okay i'm forced to deal with a situation where even as a child you don't even understand it you have no power mm. to control how the outcome will be your purpose is as they all say to be seen and not to be heard so in dealing with mm-hmm. that i i felt heard through art and i feel kind of that connection with you with what you do with film and writing and acting but tell me a bit how you ended up there and how was the reaction of your guardians probably like your sister how did they react to you mm-hmm. choosing to pursue this career i think my introduction to it was When I was young, even when my parents were still around, I didn't think I was talented at all. And it's because like I'm the youngest. I have two older sisters. I have three older sisters wow. and they were all you know like my mom's they were good at math. My sister was like an athlete. She was a, the star athlete at school. Mm-hmm. And she was very she sang, she wrote books. My other sister was really into like music and stuff. So I I didn't know what I like I just like Barbie and like X-Men and stuff. Like I just, I felt like I was useless as you could. <laughs> right? Cuz I I and I hated sports. I tried it. It was it was terrible. Like cuz people thought maybe because my sister's good, yeah. I'll be good. No, I didn't like it. <laughs> I didn't like math. You know, I didn't know how to sing. So I felt useless, mm. but I think it's one of those things where it slowly starts to manifest. Mm. Um so sometimes when I wanted a new Barbie and I couldn't get one because it's I was living with an aunt and uncle that were very stingy or you know whatever. So I would draw the dolls with paper, cut them out and then I'll play with the dolls. And then, you know, So I started like if I couldn't watch TV for whatever reason, I would just sit down and I would imagine a story or my sister would tell me a story. So I kind of learned to live in this little bubble that that is my kind of you know, it's because it's the literal way like if your everyday is is terrible, you know, you're living in these terrible situations in real life, the only place that I can retreat to that is mine is my mind. 
So then you, I kind of started thinking of these stories, sometimes paintings, sometimes, you know, I would act out something, but it will all be in my little bubble. And I thought that I discovered my talent late. It wasn't until recently my sister told me, no, you were always like that. Even when the parents were around, I had just forgotten. Even when my mom and dad were around, I would go sit in a little corner and I would tell myself stories and stuff. And I, and I just, like, it made me cry. I was like, oh my gosh, it's been there this whole time. That is so cute. That is so cute. So you were that child who knew how to paint up stories in your head. And you, you were, you were mm-hmm. self-soothing, maybe, but you were also self-entertaining. Absolutely. And so, you know, um, at first, funny enough, like, I wanted to be a fashion designer at first. I watched a documentary about Gianni Versace, and I was like, okay, I'm going to be a fashion designer. I pursued that. I applied to university to be that. I got in, but I didn't get the bursary, the scholarship. So I was like, okay, plan B. Mm. Plan B was always acting because of Genevieve Naji. It's just at the time I thought I had to graduate from university first, you know, African parents. My uncles were like, listen, you have to go to university. Mm. (laughs) Yeah. So then it's only once I was allowed to live with my sister. My sister got married. Her husband's amazing. Mm. And since I was away from my, you know, African uncles and aunties, out there like listen if you want to act you can act just don't tell them so to date i don't think my family knows (laughs) i don't think my family knows like they only know that i'm studying journalism and media studies at university which i am but i don't think they know that i'm not like doing monologues and telling people i'm an actress yeah they don't know (laughs) you know what killed me is i saw the this is what absolutely sealed it for me. So I was, I, I do a lot of research for each and every guest of mine. You were the easiest person to research because you have a whole website, literally, com. Easy. You have your about, you have your resume on there, you have your reels and a gallery in case, in case you just need to be tantalized for, for our viewers there who are just a bit interested. You even have yours. And I feel like, your uncles and aunties, when <laughs> when they try and check you up on Facebook and they see a link to an entire actor, actress model website, I don't know. I think they'll say there's someone impersonating you. It'll be the funniest. And that WhatsApp forwarding will be hot. Eh? Fire thumbs. But um, I might actually share it. <laughs> you know, actually share it as a whole, like a joke. But it's funny because it's one of the most beautiful websites I've seen. It's very professional. The quality is top-notch. And it, it genuinely packages you into how you should be. You know, you put out who you are into the world. You, tra- you attract what you are. So how you present yourself affects like 70% of how the world treats you. And so how you've presented yourself so far, I think is so dope. I think you've really, like the level. Ha, ah, what my labels, man? Levels. Oh, God. And so how is acting? How is acting? How is modeling? How is that going? Oh, well, first of all, thank you so much. Like, I worked so hard on that website. You have no idea. It's hey, <laughs> Thank it's you so much. Hey, it's official. Thank you. It's the second version. The first version was bad. I even felt tempted to contact you. You know that contact button with the emails? I was almost <laughs> putting in my email address saying, hi, Trisha, just confirming that I'm like still doing this. Oh, my God. Hey, it was it was, it was fun. Mm-hmm. So how is that? Thank going? you so much. 
Yeah, so like I said, um, I was only truly freely able to do it with my sister, my brother-in-law. Um, my sister's been the number one person to believe in me. She's like a constant. The last thing my mom said to us before passing away, because they died in a car accident, was when they dropped us off at school, she said, remember to always persevere, which is something that she said to us all the time. And she was saying it just smiling, like, I'll see you later, but just remember to always persevere. And so my sister's been reminding me that since that day, like, just whatever you do, if it's fashion, if it's this, if it's that, don't cry on me, girl. You're going to make me oh, cry. I'm trying so hard, but the tears, I feel like I have four eyes. <laughs> it's on you, right? That is so beautiful. Right? She used to just say that. She used to just say that, like, randomly. All the time. And so ironically, that was also the last thing that she said to us. She used to say it all the time. So my sister now has been that person to kind of remind me, like, whatever you do, persevere and do it well. If you want to do something, whatever it is, make sure you do it well. So she's the one that started the idea with the website. I was like, I want to act. This is what I want to do. So my sister and my brother-in-law came together like, okay, if this is what you want make sure you do it well. So we develop this entire structure. Like anybody who's listening, this may sound like it's a bit much, but trust me, it has worked for me. Plan your life. We sat down at a restaurant in South Africa and we are like, this is an official meeting. Who are you? Who do you want to be? Where do you see yourself in 10 years, in five years? And because of that, let's have a one-year plan of exactly what we're going to do to get you to that place. Amen. And it hasn't even been a year. It's cr- it hasn't even been a year. I've had opportunity. I auditioned for my first TV show in less than a year thanks to that plan. <laughs> it's insane. What? You manifested. I manifested. So I literally made that plan. And then, yeah, it was like, okay, you want to be an actor? What do actors do? I started doing my research. YouTube, guys, with Google, the age of Google, you can't complain anymore. (laughs) (laughs) You can't. Google. It's there, Google, man. Uh Whatever you want to be, Google. I was like, okay, what do these people do? What are these people doing? What can I do now? in my space because obviously like I can't go to film school and um, d- imagine me telling my uncle hey I want to go to film school <laughs> to just do chap with your camera chap one time they'll say don't you have a phone I don't know the Congolese accent but in the Kenyan accent it will be now surely Hajir Hajir is this now are we now not going to be cooking with gas surely so you decided not to go to film school but I thought I saw that you are in um, an academy that's sort of helping you with that yeah so I, then I was like okay so I, I did go again research I did go to a few film schools in South Africa very expensive like mm-hmm. just extreme I was like listen I can't do this okay mm-hmm. like I do you know I mean? like, I'm like I'm not <laughs> so then I was like okay if not film school then what can I do um I was like acting classes right I'm like, I can't be an actress and not know how to act acting classes so I did my research found an acting academy the Helen O'Grady drama academy mm-hmm. and I've been doing that for I think a year and a half because of COVID there are a lot of free online acting classes oh. I've done a lot of those like Google, sis, Google. <laughs> Google. Uh-huh. People talk about how terrible the internet is, but it's also an incredible blessing because all the opportunities that I've gotten to date has been because of TikTok, 
Instagram, Googling things, you know, just seeing, following people who are in line with your vision, your mission. I don't follow anybody that doesn't, mm-hmm. do you know what I mean? Like if I like cake, yeah. If I, I, if I don't like, let's say football, why would I follow a football player? It doesn't, yeah. do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I only follow people that are in line. And because of that, you you merge and you mix and you hear opportunities. That's how I came across you with your incredible <laughs> self. Like you. <laughs> the internet, thank God for the internet. First of all. Absolutely. And it's helping Africans because we've, for the longest time, I feel like our leaders, especially during times of independence, yes, they have done an insurmountable amount of um, damage to some of our countries. But at the time of independence, one of the strongest things that existed was collaboration. And even with, Mm -hmm. let's say, civil rights movements in the diaspora, like let's say in the 60s or maybe from the 1800s, like with mm-hmm. our African-American friends and our, you know, black people around the world, collaboration has been key. And now with the internet, uh, there's nothing stopping Africans now. Africans and people in that, like right now, I want to have convos with people from Haiti just because I can. Mm-hmm. Yes, and you can. Uh-huh. And so, <laughs> Zoom, daddy, Zoom is here. What do you mean? But anyway, so um, I'm sure the process has been, kind of tough looking for jobs in literally any field is tough and with covid it's tough but you do a lot of online you know content and you're you know doing school um uh let's say during the day in drama school what are some of the things that you're prioritizing now as you continue along your creative journey well i think for me is because i'm in my last year of university now studying journalism and media studies i took media studies because I get to understand the media aspect of cinema. So now I know how the media industry works as opposed to just the creative aspects of it. So it was very helpful for me. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna lie, it's kind of hard to stay motivated sometimes. <laughs> for now, mainly, I think the main thing, and I also needed my fa- my family, my sister, my brother, and all my support system to remind me this is because we're in a new age where things are going so quickly, there's almost no traditional path anymore, especially for things like acting and whatever creative field. Like there's no like, you'll take step A, step B, step Z, and then you'll end up here. Everybody's path is different. And so I needed to learn to be okay with that. Cause sometimes I was scared. Like I'd see my friends from high school, maybe they went to university for three years, they graduated and now they have this job. And I'm like, okay, I'm still studying media. I'm doing monologues on YouTube. I feel like I'm lost. But then I had to be reminded that everybody's path is unique. And as long as I'm following my path, it's fine. It will lead me where it needs to lead me. So right now I'm just prioritizing making content on TikTok, trying to graduate because I'm tired of studying. <laughs> I'm tired. <Yeah. laughs> I'm tired. Mm-hmm. I'm tired. My back hurts. My back. Right. It's, it's hard. Being a student is a job. Like, we are, this is, it's work. The goal is to work professionally. Mm. That's the goal. Mm-hmm. So do you do you ever think do you ever see yourself kind of moving to the to the states to Hollywood and all that kind of pursuing that traditional path? Because much as you know, there's no straight path. Things are changing so much mm-hmm. right now, and with digital media, you really don't have to move. Hey, but um, mm-hmm. it's seen to be the historical move. Would you think you'd ever move? 
Um, I mean, I thought about, yes, because when I, was, I started researching, I was like, oh, maybe I just have to go to the US and then, because you hear all these stories about people that left everything and then moved to Hollywood and, you know, but I was like, so I thought I might have to do that. But one thing I've noticed is like the African film industry is booming. Mm-hmm. And it's almost as if it's it's never been a greater time to be an African actor, filmmaker, or et cetera, because like things are changing, things are shifting. So I was like, maybe I have more shots here than I would if I was, you know, one in a million in LA or whatever. Mm. But I just told myself, listen, just just trust the process. So I stick to my yearly plans. What I do is I know I want to be five years from now, but I'll stick to this the plan for this year. And then by the end of this year, I already have a plan, but then we'll see where it goes. So if moving to LA will be the next thing, we will do it. And if staying here will be the thing, we shall do it. But I don't believe everything will work out as it's supposed to. Oh, I love that. And I wish you all the best. I mean, I, I know you'll go far. At the very least, in terms of your digital media, what you're doing is creating a digital footprint for um, Afro-intellectuals and people who prioritize their, let me say, they prioritize their knowledge, not really their physical. T- me, I cannot run. If you try tell me right now, I go at it running like this, and then there's a, a timer to make it worse. My friend, my friend. <laughs> by the time i'm running at you oh, never so i've also kind of well it's not really uh, optional for me i've had to rely on things inside my brain because if i rely on literally anything else it's not going to end well man it's not going to end mm-hmm. just stick to what you know do you know what i mean like i don't i don't, I don't know how to run either i hate com- I actually okay hate is a strong word I strongly dislike competitive running. In high school, it was terrible. Like when it's time for PE, it's like, why? Uh, you know? Oh God, I can feel the muscle pull from here. Ah, even the thought of it, it's too much. When would I ever right. compete with the, even if we were in the in the wild, when would I ever now compete with a cheetah? Obviously you wanna run ahead of the cheetah, I mean, ideally. But now if it goes before me, just let natural selection do its job. Just stop fighting it. <laughs> I am not one of the chosen ones. Just accept it. <laughs> but anyway, um, apart from that, um, maybe let me know, what, what are some of the things that you hope for? What's the next, what are some of the next steps for you? And especially with being an African content creator, like a pioneer of TikTok, like African TikTok, um, what are some of the next? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You've you're in the WhatsApp. You're in that WhatsApp. What are some of the things that you're kind of looking forward to and hoping for as you go on in your journey? Um, I think, like I always say, my main thing is I realized that it's my mission recent. Not actually, too, yeah, kind of recently. I just want to be able to tell African stories. You know, I was I could tell anybody's story. Like I, there's a weird thing about being a black creative kind of way and I, I Toni Morrison the incredible American author like she was talking about it when her book started becoming successful people would ask her when she's going to start writing for white characters you don't think you will ever change and write books that incorporate white white lives into them substantially I have done mm. in, in a substantial way you can't understand how powerfully racist that question is can you because you could never ask a white author, when are you going to write about black people? Whether he did or not, or she did or not. Mm. Even the inquiry 
comes from a position of being in the center and being used to being in the center. And being used to being in the center. So um, I could write for anybody. I could write stories about anybody. But I was born in the family and the con country and the continent that I was born in for for whatever reason. So I might as well tell those stories, especially like I joke about it on TikTok a lot, but I don't like how Africa is kind of portrayed, especially internationally. It kind of bothers me. And it's not even because of how the rest of the world sees us. It's because we then internalize it. There are too many young Africans that internalize how Africa is perceived. And I don't like it. It annoys me. It's like, do you know what I mean? Mm. I don't think there's anything wrong with living in a village. I don't need a foreign movie to tell me that. Do you know what I mean? Mm. So I told myself, I want to write stories, African stories, primarily for African people. And if people outside of Africa love those stories too, great. You know, that's a bonus. But I want young people to just get excited about being us. You know, as much as I love Marvel, I'm obsessed, right? But I'm also just as obsessed with our stories and our legends. I get really excited when I see all these things and I just want us to kind of get that. So I'm really hoping that I can just be able to tell primarily African and Afrocentral, Afrocentric stories. So my next steps, you know, from my screenwriting perspective, I just want to write Africans, Afrocentric stories, whether it's Africans in space, Africans in whatever country, Africans in Africa, I just want to write Afrocentric stories. And then for my acting, because I grew up around so many different film industries, like, I don't know if it's the case in Kenya, but in Congo, we watch entertainment from like everywhere from Congo, other African countries, Nollywood, mm -hmm. India, telenovelas from South America, movies from China, because of this, like, it's, it's actually, I've noticed it amongst a lot of Africans, it's very normalized for us to watch stories from elsewhere, from other places. Like, it's not a, a weird thing. We import less than we export in terms of culture, and we've normalized it. But I think it's also because mm -hmm. we've not really known what we've had and now the internet is bringing to the surface how much of value creation can actually happen on ground, you know? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So then because of that, I want to work as an actress in as many film industries as possible just to see how other people make movies and kind of learn and better my craft and so that all that I learned there I can bring back here, you know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. I wish you all the best and I invite you to come through to Kenya one day and sort of see what people are doing. There, there are some movies that have, have ended up on Netflix, much like with a lot of movies in the South African scene. But I do feel like mm -hmm. you're in sort of the hub of the creative world in Africa. Mm -hmm. You're in South Africa. So honestly, mm -hmm. you are so lucky. I wish I wish I lived in South... Just say hi to Elsa Majimbo. High five her through the window for me. Oh, she's yeah, amazing. Said, What's up? What's up, man? Mm -hmm. And so um, she's another person that I admire absolutely. Yeah, she's yeah, awesome. she's incredible. Hey, hey, hey. I don't she's even know. She she's found a way to package being Kenyan to the rest of the world. So now she's normalized for me. Just how we get Kenyans, we go through Aki Kenyans. We are weird. We are so weird. <laughs> it's now normal. Oh my god. Thank you. Oh my God! Thank God for Majimbo. But anyway, um, 
Thank you so much for being on here. I hope that this is not the first uh, podcast uh, convo we are having. I hope I could invite you over to guest host. I'm having a lot of that with some of the people I bring on here. And you're one mm-hmm. of those that I would love to sort of attack a topic with. Usually I get a lot of topics from the viewers, the listeners. And for those of you guys who are watching or listening, you can be able to send in some of the comments you have, some suggestions you have, or topic suggestions that you want us to discuss. You can even send it as a voice note or as a video over at the Afroverse show on Instagram. And what happens from there, it's at Afroverse show. And what happens from there is I can be able to incorporate that into the episodes we can do. So I'd love to have you, Trisha, over for us to just solve some dilemmas. People are going through, hi, people are going through some really mm-hmm. um, kantakara situations out here that really don't make Absolutely. sense. And we need you guys to send in your audience opinions. I want voice notes, I want messages, on videos. It could always be anonymous if you want to. You know, if you need to create a pseudo account, create those accounts. Who are you not to participate in the Afroverse as an Afro being? You are entitled to so much space on here. So I beg you to take it up. And so in terms of hosting, I would extend the same words to you, Trisha. Thank you so much for being on here. I've absolutely loved this convo. And I wish you all the best as you go along. Keep curating knowledge that has always existed, but that has never come from us. And I love the fact that you're able to compartmentalize knowledge into what matters and what doesn't matter. And you've been able to reclaim the knowledge that has always kind of been out there. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. And for those of you guys who are listening and watching, I hope you're okay wherever you are. As always, I am glad that you've gotten to tune in. If you're working out, if you are doing the dishes, if you're folding some very powerful laundry, continue doing mm-hmm. what you are doing. And for us, uh, we can now check out and hope for your very beautiful day, week, month, year ahead. And welcome to the Afroverse. You've been with me, Hope Ajir and... Trisha Bisi. Uh-huh. And until next time, bye-bye. <laughs>